When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, here we go, it's the Copyright Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Squad Number Show. It's episode five, which means it's shirt number five of the Premier League era. Uh, if you're new to the show, this is the show where we uh, basically look at all the players that have worn a particular squad number throughout the Premier League era when squad numbers were more official and you had to have a number, you couldn't share your mate's number. There was no arguments, there was no fighting, everyone got their own number and it's, it's still a big thing today. So today uh, it is uh, number five, so it's squad number five. Mick, how are you feeling? You're getting tested today. Um, <clears throat> I think like most of them, the first couple, I'm probably going to get the wrong way around. Then obviously as you get towards present day, I sh- should be all right, I hope. I know there's not that many of them, so we'll we'll see. Yeah. Well, as a disclaimer of this, uh, obviously, under the current res- restrictions that the way me and Mick do this, uh, we spring it on each other. It's basically a case of, you know, so he, he can't cheat, I can't cheat. We have a bit of fun, and then you guys can play along at home as well. That's that's the idea behind it. So, here we go then. So, uh, first one, who was the first player to wear squad number five officially in the Premier League era? See, it's either it's either Mark Wright. Is it Mark Wright? It's Mark Wright. There we go. Let's just speak. No, let's not do the evas. Well done, mate. It's Mark Wright. It was. Signed from Derby uh, in 1991 for 2.2 million. Uh, it was basically off the back of a really, really good World Cup that he had. And he's had some strong seasons for Derby County. Obviously, he was the captain. Uh, yeah, and signed by Graham Souness. Um, very, like I said, a strong uh, World Cup in 1990. I think he was, he was well-renowned for having a really good uh, time with England over there in Italy. Uh, captained uh, Liverpool to the 1992 FA Cup win uh, over Sunderland. And Matt Wright played 210 games for Liverpool, scoring nine goals and a 48% uh, win record for the club. So not too bad. Um, memories for me, Mick, I sort of remember him as being a defender who was quite solid, bringing the ball out from the back. He was really good with that. Very dominant in the air and just uh, hampered by injuries t- towards the end of his Liverpool career, which forced him to retire. But yeah, what did you make? What did you, did you make him out right? Yeah, pretty much the same. It's not <clears throat> my memories aren't too strong of him because I think didn't he leave in like ninety seven or something? Did you say ninety eight, something like that? Yeah, ninety eight, mate. Yeah, I was only, I was only been like eight or nine at the time, so I was still I was still getting to grips with Premier League sticker books and all that. That was my main concern getting <laughs> getting me stickers in the right order and whatever. But now, like you said, solid solid defender. Um, obviously, he's had like a lot of lot of injuries and. If he was, if he was maybe playing in nowadays, he might have might have had a more prolonged career due to the obviously better, better treatment you can get nowadays. So you look at the likes of Jamie Redknapp and players like that, you think maybe he would have a better shot in this year rather than theirs. But it wasn't to be. But yeah, solid defender and yeah, done well for the club during his time. Even though we weren't, we weren't too great in that period he was here. Yeah, that's a good point, mate. We weren't very good in the nineties, um, especially in the league cup runs. We were sort of okay with like, but. Yeah, a solid defender. I think when, like I said, when the likes of Phil Babb, John Scales, and Neil Ruddock started getting signed, I think probably Mark Wright knew 
with injuries and stuff like that, his time was was on the way. And like I said, you get hampered by injuries, and unfortunately, it did it did force him to t- retire in nineteen ninety eight. But a centre half playing two hundred and ten games for Liverpool, it's a, it, it's a good ratio. And to be fair, most people will look back at Mark Wright as quite a decent defender for Liverpool to have, considering his pedigree that he had previously before he signed for Liverpool. So, yeah, uh, quite a lot of adulation uh, for me for Mark. I did like him as a player. I thought he was a nice man. Uh, speaks very highly of the club still today. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we like Matt, right? So then, who's the second person to wear the number five shirt for Liverpool? Well, see, I thought I was going to get these two mixed up, but now that I know that it was definitely Mark Wright, I know that it was, well, I think it was Steve Staunton. Certainly was Steve Staunton, mate. And like you said, you could have got them mixed up because actually Staunton uh, wore it officially in his second spell with Liverpool. So for those of you that don't know, he was signed originally in 1986. Um, and where he won the league and FA Cup with Liverpool uh, towards the back end of the 80s. Uh, but then obviously he left and then we'd re-signed him again in 1998 under Roy Evans. But he, was, he wasn't really used. Um, he was used sparingly, um, obviously to fill gaps and stuff like that. Obviously he could play left-back, he could play centre-half sometimes. Obviously primarily used as a, as, as a full-back. Um, you know, he, he won 52% of his games overall for both, both spells in Liverpool. 148 games and seven goals. Um, thoughts, memories, Steve Staunton, mate? Yeah, I, th- I think he was a great, great player, wasn't he? Like getting down, getting down the, down the line, whip, whipping, whipping balls into the box, things like that. Solid player. And when, he, whenever you see him, as like, like you said, on Mark Wright, and whenever you see him as a pundit or whatever, he's always, he's always got glowing remarks about Liverpool, and he's always got something, something nice to say. So I think he's, I don't know if he, I don't know if he goes down in the cult hero type bracket. Where he didn't really hit the heights, but he was a good a good player. But it was it was probably just before, like I said, just before I started really appreciating. Like I think when you get to like fifteen, sixteen, maybe you start appreciating the players more, don't you? Stuff like yeah. that. I think maybe just before, just before I I got into that period. So, but obviously, I still still know he was a great player, and obviously, I think between the two spells he had the club, he he, he was always gave a hundred percent and good a good solid player. It was, mate. And like I said, you just touched it on it there. The, I think the older generation of, of Liverpool fans will obviously appreciate Staunton a little bit more. I mean, I remember being told about his hat-trick against Wigan Athletic, which is quite interesting um, in, in, in a cup game. And I think from, from our age, I obviously I'm a little bit older than yourself, so I do remember him playing for Liverpool a bit more. But yeah, his, his best days were behind him when he, he started his second spell at Liverpool. But I think he was linked with Liverpool every year after he'd left. So it was always a player that everybody wanted him to come back and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think it was it, it's this shirt I do remember him, him playing in. I've got vivid memories of him in, in yeah. that shirt. So, yeah, again, good, solid uh, solid play for Liverpool. And even though we officially had the number five shirt in the Premier League year and not the best of times at Liverpool, we certainly appreciate him for, for all the work he did uh, for, the, for his first spell at Anfield, obviously. So now, mate, we come to the part where I obviously expect you to get full marks now on the next <laughs> ones. So... Who was the third person uh, to wear the number five shirt? So Staunton leaves. Who takes over from the number five shirt? So it's two. What is it? Two thousand and one? Is it two thousand two? I'm not telling. I'm not giving you the answers. Could have been, <laughs> could have been earlier. I don't know. Nah. Well, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure then that it's Milan Barros. It was Milan Barros. It was indeed. Uh, signed from Banik Ostrava in 2001. Um, obviously, I think he was a little bit overlooked 
the day um, we signed him because who was signed the same day as him and he was in the same press conference? Ooh. Wasn't it Nelka, was it? Was it certainly it was. It was Nicholas what? and Elka, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so obviously the people forget that because it was really the 2002-03 season where yeah. Barros made made his impact because obviously he was still he was still still on loan um, and he was hampered by injuries <laughs> backwards and forwards between his parent club and coming back. Um, but yeah, it was it was Nicholas and Elka who was in there and obviously the, I remember Phil Thompson doing the uh, the point of the fingers because they said who's going to wear the number nine shirt and he pointed to Barros and was like oh no it's going to be Nicholas and Elka sort of doing that. Um, yeah, and I think that was the whole thing, wasn't it? Because everyone was so excited about getting Nick, Nicholas and Elka and uh, Barros was sort of overshadowed a little bit. But obviously, like I said, uh, he arrived officially in the 2002-03 season, scored on his debut, uh, got two goals at the Reebok Stadium, as it was known back then, against Bolton Wanderers. Um, 12 goals in his first season, which was absolutely fantastic return for him, given it's a debut season for a young lad. Um, but unfortunately, obviously, broke his ankle, if you remember, at Blackburn. So he was out for five months. And it's actually the same game that um, Carragher had done his yeah. leg as well at the same, in the same game there. Um, and then he had a really, really good year or 2004. He was top goal scorer. Czechs got to the semi, so if it wasn't for his contribution, they wouldn't have got there. And obviously the excitement was building for us, wasn't it, going into the 04-05 season, the fact that we've got this Czech strike and now he's been top goal scorer at the Euros. Everyone was talking about him and talking about Wayne Rooney. Uh, and then we go into the 04-05 season uh, and struggles for goals, really. I think he only gets 11 in the first four or five months of the season. And one of them was a hat-trick against, uh, against, against Crystal Palace. Um, and But he did go on to, to finish that 2005 season with a Champions League winner's medal. So, 48% win percentage, uh, 108 goals. Uh, sorry, not 108 goals. 108 games, 27 goals. Somewhat being on Barra's for us, pal. <clears throat> I think he... I think he goes under the radar a little bit in terms of how good he actually was. I think he was a, he was a, he was a good little player. For me, when I watched him, like I said, on, with the previous uh, previous um, occupant of number five, Steve Stone, that was probably just before I started to appreciate. When we got Barros, that's when I was like, I could really start to appreciate the players now. <clears throat> but for me, he, he was a good player. He knew where the goal was, but I always just remember him picking the ball up, like picking the ball up wherever, like 30 yards out, and he just would never pass. He'd run to the corner flag with his head down. Yeah. Run like this, just like, just not yeah. picking his head up. And sometimes it's he ripped the whole team and scored a goal or he'd make an assist or whatever, but yeah, just stuff like that. And like you said, Euro 2004, where he gets the golden boot, was just like, it wasn't like a surprise because we, we knew how good he was, but it was just doing it for that, for that Czech team who had some good, had some good players in there. It was, uh, was, was nice that he, he was at Liverpool at the time and he did it. That kind of helped his profile a little bit, didn't it? Especially when they got, didn't he move on to Villa after that thing, didn't he? Yeah, for yeah. six and a half million. Yeah, no, but good, good player. Like, like you said, he had his injury troubles and that, but played in the Champions League final, didn't he, against um, against Milan? Uh, I think he, did he come off towards the end of the. Yeah, I think like last five months, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's those times were like they're not. We never had the greatest of teams. Did we really? It wasn't wasn't blessed pure superstars, but we had like obviously Gerard and Carragher's and all, all them, and then Adam Barros up front. Like you said when he came in with Anelka, you know, and obviously we we're going to get to episode number nine at some point, so we'll, we'll chat more about that Anelka Juf um, conundrum more then. But <laughs> <laughs> when you say that name, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, good player, and the um, yeah, it, I was I was I was sad to see him go when he went to Villa, but like you said, the injuries took the toll, and it was probably the right time for him to go. 
I think so, mate. His contribution, especially in that old four or five season, in terms of his work rate, goes unnoticed with him. And like I said, you know, before he only got you know a handful of goals from a striker's perspective. Um, but you know, double figures is not nothing to be sniffed at, especially with, like you said before, the way we were playing. But you know, popped up with some some decent goals in Champions League against Bayer Leverkusen. You know, he was he was on hand. I mean, we weren't blessed with with many strikers. Cisse had been out for. The majority of the season as well, hadn't he? So we were relying heavily on him, and uh, and then when he didn't play, it was Neil Mellor and stuff. And so everyone sort of made that contribution. Obviously, I think everybody, for me, the, the influence that he had because of the the Czech connection with with um, obviously Patrick Berger before he left, and then obviously Vladdy uh, being there as well, it was quite a, an influence. And I, I, you know, might might sound really bad this, but I loved Barros's energy when he when in that first season as a young lad, like I said scoring against Bolton with his skinhead and just, just tearing defences apart was great. And like I said, I liked his hat-trick against Palace. Um, but I just one of my favourite memories of Milan Boros is when Champions League final, Smitsa scores his goal, but Boros, his arm's in the way and he just does this like manoeuvre just to get out the way of the ball. And if it hits his hand, it doesn't go in and all that sort of stuff. And But it's just, it, mm. it does so well to just to get out of, that, out of the way of Smitsa's okay. shot and you know, it's little things like that where you don't think about, you know, in terms of contributions and things. So, again, Milan Barros with, you know, I've got no qualms against the lads, you know, appreciate what he did for the club and, you know, he, you can't say no more, really, can you? Yeah, and, and the celebration with um, after Alonso's rebound pen, where he just absolutely <laughs> just just the ground down, it? Yeah. dead on him, like, what's going on there, lads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking, what, what are you playing out there? It's not rugby. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, that was funny, that. Um, but no, mate, we thank Milan Boris for his contribution, especially the 2005 season. Um, so the next person, uh, player number four to word number five. Who was it? It's got to be Danny Agger, surely. It's Daniel Agger. And you know what I mean? We could do a full podcast on Daniel Agger, couldn't we, really? But we'll try and keep it as short as we can <laughs> without going into too much detail. But we will do, because he's, he is a cult hero at Liverpool. Yeah. Time from Bromby, 2006. Uh, for 5.8 million, absolute bargain. Um, you know the, the young lad signing uh, for Liverpool as a young centre half, and at the time we had Carragher and Hippier, and you think no one's going to dislodge either one of those, but Daniel Agger does that exact thing. He managed to take out Hippier uh, out the side, uh, which is no mean feat considering Sammy Hippier is one of the greatest defenders in, ever in world football, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know he's he's got Agger's goal against West Ham. Uh, will go down as one of the best goals we've seen uh, at the cop end, especially from a centre-half. Fantastic strike. Uh, the, the performances he put in in the Champions League, especially against uh, Chelsea uh, in the semi-finals, uh, keeping it, uh, you know, keeping the score as low as it was. And then he, he came up with the, the equalising goal on aggregate uh, at Anfield. What a day that was. One of my favourite ever days at Anfield, that. Uh, then, unfortunately, obviously, 07 08 did his metatarsal. You know, when the metatarsal was invented, um, he, he broke his metatarsal. And then he was in and out the side, 08-09, sort of came back um, in the latter stages of, of, of that 08-09 season. Formed a really good partnership with Martin Skirtle. Uh, obviously, you'll all remember the beginning of the 2012 uh, season when there was those very, very, very strong links with Barcelona. And it did look like at one point, I think we all thought he might he might go and get tempted, especially with the way the club was at the time and the years that they'd been through. But no, signs that new deal, as you'll never walk alone, tattooed on his knuckles. Uh, and he's he's staying forever then, which was fantastic. Made vice captain 2013-14. But then at the end of that season, he did go back home to Bromby and then retired in 2016 and is now 
got his own sewage company and he's um, a, a very, very keen tattoo artist and has got his percentage in the tattoo business as well. I'm going to shut up about Daniel Agger. What's your favourite memories of him, Mick? I think you've covered them all now, lads. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking of obviously the first thing I thought of when I, obviously you, I, you told me I got that one right was the Chelsea goal. That Chelsea goal where it's like I mean we spoke I think we spoke to Zenden about it and we both Zenden about that free kick on that on that podcast which you should go and go and check out in the playlists and under um, former players and that's a good little interview yeah we talked about that and just what it worked on on the training ground just like it just worked to perfection and like when stuff like that off the training ground works on the pitch and you tr- well you're trusting one of your centre backs to have a shot at goal from that range that says a lot about how much the rest of the team trusted his technique and for a centre-back his technique was up there with the, the best I've seen like, a, like left-footed great great on the ball got a great shot great passer not blessed with the best of speed but pretty quick positionally wise great like you said formed that great partnership with Martin Skirtle they went together pretty well obviously Skirtle as like the the rougher up and uh, Aga just thought as the little Rolls Royce next to him but yeah Great player, like I said, getting what getting you never walk alone tattooed on his knuckles was just another another cog to endear him to the Liverpool fans even more because we loved them even before that. And then the way he, um that you said the Barcelona links, the way you just brushed them off and said I'm not going anywhere, signed the new contract and then got those tattoo that tattoo. It was just like yeah, he's 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 a he's an adopted scout so there's a lot of the, a lot of them recently like the likes of their Kout and Lucas Leaven and stuff like that. But he's he's definitely one of them and he's he's definitely one of my my favourite uh, Liverpool players. I'm just, I just wish he wouldn't have had so many bad injuries because he could have won. We could have won so much more with him in the team if if he, if his body was 100% right and if his body didn't give up on him, basically, because if we would have had him in the team alongside some of the better players and him performing as the best he can, we would have definitely maybe challenged higher up the table or got to a couple more finals or whatever with him in the team. But no, definitely one of my favourites. Yeah, mate, and like you've just said, they're trying to, you know, probably win things a little bit more with him. I think a lot of people say about the 13-14 season when we were quite inconsistent uh, defensively, um, maybe having Daniel Agger for the full, you know, of that season because he was in and out of the side again, wasn't he? And then it was it was a shame that that season because, again, he's one of those players that you sort of think deserved something uh, major with, with with the club. I mean, I look back at the the 2007 Champions League final and you know it, that one gets stuck for me there because there's quite a lot of players in that squad that deserve some of the likes of Pepe Reina the likes of Mascherano Aga um, you know uh, Dirk Cout who deserved some, some, something big like that so yeah so that's why the Champions League final is a little bit in 2007 is a little bit thingy for me because Daniel Aga deserves a lot more than, than, than what he won at Liverpool anyway but I mean for a centre half 55% of his games he'd won 232 games and 14 goals is such a tremendous contribution. Like you said, he will go down as a Liverpool legend. And we thank you, Daniel Agger, for your contributions to this fantastic club. So, mate, there's only one more left. Who is it? Thiago? No, no, no. Genie went out Big Genie. Oh, fucking hell, mate. Yeah, Genie went out Whatever you want to call him. Genie went out Signed from Newcastle, 25 million quid. Uh, Stats-wise, I'll just go through them quickly. He's won 67% of his games, which is incredible. Uh, He's played 188 games so far, 19 goals so far, and 15 assists. Always had a habit of scoring at home, didn't he? 
Uh, it took him a while to register his first away goal. That came uh, against Roma, the Champions League. Uh, and then he finally got one away from home in the Premier League against Spurs in 1819. Um, speaking of 1819, he played uh, 35 games in 1819 uh, after being a stalwart for Liverpool for, for years and sort of helped Klopp build in that, that era and build on to the next level. Um, you know, he plays a, a lot of games in 1819, even though Cater and, and Fabinho were in there as well. It's just a testament to the lad as well. Um, we've, we're going to cover the Barcelona stuff, uh, obviously. Um, he, his contribution to the team is incredible. But at the beginning, Mick, I just want to talk about Gino Wijnaldum in terms of what you thought when we signed him. Um, <clears throat> Did you know much about him for a start? You know, he's playing for Newcastle, he gets relegated. Yeah, I'd seen bits of him, obviously. And then he, I think he didn't he score like two, or two or a hat-trick against us one time. I think he got a couple. I know. I yeah, and that game, I was thinking, Jesus Christ, he's he's good. But even like now, he's not the most flashy player. Like he he scores a lot for the Netherlands because he plays in a different position. Like we've touched on that before, he plays in a diff, completely different position for them than he does for us in the Klopp system. But he's not like the type of player where you sign, he signs, and you go, oh yeah, that's that's the sign we need. That's the sign we need to push on because he's not that type of player that. He's more suited to him as like a systematic player where you put him in somewhere, you tell him to do a job and he'll do it perfectly. He's not the type of player to come in and bag your 10 goals and 10 assists and actually make a like a transparent effect on the pitch. It's more like a, like a behind-the-scenes type thing where he does the dirty work and stuff like that. But then like I'm glad that he's had these moments against Barcelona where he's came off on the bench, he's been fuming that he's been left on the bench. And he, and he goes on to do what he did in that game, and I'll go down. He'll go down in folklore for that for, for that contribution in that game. And it's just sad that it didn't happen again in the uh, Let's Go game where he gets the he gets the goal again, and and we're, we're back on track. And then all, all of a sudden, we uh, <laughs> we're goalkeeping errors and we're, and we're fucked. But uh, no, I, I wasn't I wasn't like yes, we're signing Wijnaldum. I was like, it's a good player. And I hoped he'd go on to do good things, which when you look at the his, his honours list in the last two years, it's like, fucking hell, it's mental that how, how good he's, he's gone on to become for us. Definitely. I mean, I'll be honest, mate, I knew pr- practically nothing about him apart from yeah. when he played against us. You know, it's one of the things you just don't pay attention to, to the teams that are at, at the bottom uh, majorly. I mean, I didn't back then anyway. That was before I was doing any of this anyway. Um, but it's... Yeah, I mean, I, when we signed him for the, for, for the amount that we did, I just thought, right, well, we must have a good player here because you, you don't, from a relegated side, you don't command those types of fees, really, unless you've been, a, you know, a, a massive name type thing or if you're Andy Carroll type, type situation from Newcastle. So, I mean, I was excited by him because, you know, you're always excited by a new shiny toy anyway, aren't you? So, and at the, and at the time, when, when he'd signed, anything was was good to, to, to push on to that next level after the season that we'd had of, of missing out on the... On the Europa League spot, so it was it was great for us to to have that 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 type of play in a box to box midfielder, and I you know I always remember being at you know at one end of the uh, we would be at one end of the, the the pitch and then he'd be at the other end of the pitch smashing a header in against City. You know that's one of my, my great memories that I've got of of Gino Wijnaldum. But one of my favourite memories though of Gino Wijnaldum is last game of the season against Middlesbrough. We're struggling. Just gonna mention. And and he, he, he hits that first goal to go in 1-0 at half-time. And that was massive for us because it then pushed us on, relaxed us in that second half to, to command a three, I think it was a 3-0 win at the yeah. end of the day. 
and uh, it got us into the Champions League and then the rest is history after that, getting to Kiev, Madrid, everything. And it's it's moments like that. It's like the same when people go on about the the shaking, the, the holding hands and bowing to the to, to the cop when we drew against West Brom. That was a moment and there's a lot of things that go under the radar about that moment. And same with that Gino and Alden moment. He was the catalyst to that happening, but also he was the catalyst to building this squad where it is today. And he's uh, like him along with Lallana, deserve all the plaudits for that, don't they? Yeah, and it's just like you said, it's like a domino effect, isn't it? With like those type of moments <clears throat> to go into, like when you've got to the heights that we have, you can then look back and appreciate those moments as like that was like an important like segment in it. And like like you said, the, the that West Brom thing, we still get. Still, still see rival fans on Twitter ripping us about that, and it's like, well, it wasn't a celebration of a. I think it was a one-one draw, wasn't it? Some mm. shit like that. It was yeah, a celebration of how the fans and team can unite, and even though we're a bit shit, you can make us better by standing alongside us. And that was, like you said, it was another cog. And then the Middlesbrough goal, where we went on to win three 0 It's like stuff like that where, if it was someone else, maybe they'd get more, they'd get more plaudits, but because it's Genie Wijnaldum. I think he just he's one of them players where I don't think he gets quite the credit he deserves because like I said, he's not a flashy player, he's not gonna score thirty yarders or whipping like Trent like three kicks and assists and corners and stuff like that. He's he's just a he's a gritty player, he's a solid player, he'll give you hundred percent and he's te- and technically I don't think he gets the play that he deserves because technically he's great on the ball, strong, he's everything you want in, in that position on the left hand side of the three midfield. I could, if I had a choice of anyone in the world, I'd still pick Junior Wijnaldum. Mm. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point, mate. Um, we'll obviously we'll we'll finish. Well, I say we'll talk about his his greatest moment probably in a Liverpool shirt was the performance against Barcelona. Um, obviously not very happy about being left out on the side. Um, and then Andy Robbo gets injured and he he comes on and it's I still can't believe we did it. You know, I'm sat here now and still can't believe it. But mate, what a contribution and what what a performance that was. Yeah, it was just like I remember just thinking, especially after we got like the early early goal and stuff, and you're thinking, is it gonna happen? And then Robbo goes off and then he comes on and then like that moment, like you see that a lot on Twitter now, like that uh, like screenshot of one Alden getting subbed on. Mm. It's like it's like a moment that like that was that changed the game and it, we went on to, to win four 0 and we, we got through and ended up beating Spurs in the final like it's just stuff like that where like I said you'll go down in folklore for that for that performance and coming on and being absolutely pissed off for getting left on the bench, bench which you should be in, in such a yeah. game like that you'd be fuming wouldn't you especially oh. if you're instead of the first team like Genius. but yeah he's for me I'm glad like he still hasn't signed the contract yet but at, at this moment in time but we're obviously hoping that he will. It looks like that he's teasing us on Instagram and Twitter with the little um, caption this with a picture of Hendo jumping up in the air like made up. So I imagine that's going to get announced over the next, the course of the next couple of days or hopefully a week or so. Mm-hmm. We can get that boxed off. And but uh, yeah, what a, what a player! And I just I, hope, I like I know he's thirty. I think he's thirty this year, is he? Yeah, thirty in September, I think. So he is getting on, but still, just players like that, like you said, they. Him and the likes of him and the likes of Adam Lallanas, like raised that bar and they set the boundaries and set the tempo for everything that came after it. So keeping him in and around this team for as long as we can is the best thing for all parties, I think. Yeah. He's 30 in September. Are you going to that, Aya? Is that how you knew it was September? Have you got an invite to his 30th? Is it in September? You, that's what you just said. All right. No. <laughs> I'll, 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 
I think I was just looking at it on uh, Instagram the other day, and I was just like, I see him got it in the post often. Oh, just let, let me know how the party is, mate. You know what I mean? Um, but no, like, I, I echo what you say there. Be, uh, at the time of recording, Gino Wijnaldum is still a Liverpool player, and we all hope and pray that he, he stays a Liverpool player. And we also hope that we bring in extra people as well. I'm just going to put a disclaimer out there. It's not anything against Thiago. I do like him as a player. I think he's very good and he'll add something to the squad. But I don't want Gino and Alden to leave because of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, mate, again, Gino and Alden, um, fantastic. So there's been, you know, it's, it's not many people that have worn the number five shirt. It's not really a, a shirt uh, that's that's changed hands quite a bit. There's uh, sort of quite some long-standing players, really, and it's a number that doesn't get used in. Yeah, it, it annoyed me that Milan Barros would, would pick number five, though, because that always grated me as a striker with number five. Just it done me head in phrases. But um, but no, mate. Would you uh, would you like to pick your favourite out of the five? Oh, I think I've got to I've got to I've got to probably pick Aga just for pure, like I said, the stuff that he did, the injuries he went through, signing a new contract, getting that getting you know walk alone tattooed on him. He's from, he's from he's from he's from fucking Denmark in the day, like he's just yeah great player, uh, and I th- I think probably Gene is a is a close second like it would be it would be out of those two like I said because the first two I don't have too uh, too much strong memories on them obviously I really really enjoyed the time Milan Barros at the club but he wasn't the greatest player but yeah definitely out of definitely out of Gini and um, and and, uh, and Aga. How about you? Oh no, this is your show, mate. Uh, you know, I'm just a host. I'm asking you the questions. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, no, no, I'd probably choose the same. To be fair, mate, just from from from, from that from Daniel Igo. But obviously, you, you, let's just see. Uh, let's just see what else Genie wins in it in a Liverpool shirt. <laughs> see how long yeah. he stays for. Um, but no, mate, that was the squad number show. That was episode five. Uh, we will be back very very soon with squad number show number six. Like, comment, subscribe, leave us a five star review, and we'll see you at squad number six. Podcast Network.